Hello and welcome back to the Northwestern Baseball Podcast. This is episode 8. We're here in May and this podcast is still relevant because the Cats are still relevant. Still playing some meaningful baseball in May in race of the Big Ten Tournament. I'm Amit Malik, as always, joined by Sam Brief, Tim Hackett. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Doing Got good. back earlier than expected from South Bend yesterday, so feeling feeling pretty good. Yeah, we definitely. It was a good trip. Uh, not overall for the Cats, so not sure that the team felt as great as as we did, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed being there with Sam for, uh, to, as representatives of WNUR on Tuesday night, and uh, I, I had a lot of fun. It was really my first big road trip after we went to UIC a couple weeks ago, Amit. So, um, I don't know, it was, I, had, I had fun. Again, you know, for their sake, I wish for a better outcome. Yeah, we have just a room full of experts here <laughs> on Northwest Baseball, trying to give you guys the most inside information we can. Let's get into it. This has been a little bit of a rough stretch for the Wildcats. They've played four games since we've last recorded. Uh, they took one of three against the Spartans in a series that hurt a little, especially it was 1-1 handing into that rubber match on Sunday. And then they were defeated again t- by Notre Dame on Tuesday as Henry, as Sam, sorry, as Sam and Tim alluded to. But let's get into this Michigan State series. We'll start game by game. We'll go to the first game. And Northwestern lost 8-1 in a game reminiscent of some earlier Wildcat encounters before they started to turn things around. Yeah, reminiscent because it was really just two big innings that did them in. I mean, this was a one nothing ball game in favor of Northwestern for the first six innings, for the first five innings. Michigan State scored three in the top of the sixth. They added one in the eighth and then four in the ninth to turn it from a convincing win into an absolute blowout. Um, Reminiscent because you know there were some errors. Northwestern had three errors uh, on the day, and that's innings like that are something we saw more at the beginning of the season than last year, and they've kind of gone away a little bit in conference play. So it, it was sort of um, felt like the ghost of Northwestern baseball <laughs> past coming back. It was tough because for a lot of that game, and what what you said, Sam, Northwestern had built up you know not a big lead by any stretch, but they had a lead. And then Cooper Weatherby was pitching well, the starter for the start of the first game of the doubleheader, and then it just kind of all fell apart. With something, you know, two different things that I've noticed over for Northwestern this year, and it's tough because both of these statements I believe are true, is that at times starting pitchers reach a point where they just cannot pitch effectively anymore, and it feels like you know they're left in for an inning too long or a batter too long, whatever it is. But then also at about the same amount of time relief pitchers come in for a fresh inning and it's sometimes I want to say it like this but it's for lack of better phrasing it's their fault that a game gets out of hand and they and again for lack of better term waste a good start uh from a northwestern starter uh and at this point it was kind of a little bit of both because Weatherby pitched very well for the first couple of innings and then you know as I said things kind of fell apart for him in the sixth, he ended up not allowing any earned runs, which is remarkable. But he was, you know, responsible for the first two that came in, and then Pete Hoffman didn't exactly help him out too much, and then Tyler Lass definitely didn't really help out that much with four runs, two earned, in fairness, but four total runs allowed in the ninth to let the game get away. Yeah, that's just something that this team has always really fought. They were down 
four to one heading to that ninth inning, and you know it's still a long proposition to come back, but you got to keep that game at three runs where it is. Uh, not one of Tyler Lass's best performances, and one thing we know about Cooper Weatherby is that his third time through the order is just you know not going to be his best stuff. Hitters have seen him a lot, and he faced twenty one batters, so just in his third time through the order, he got yanked and the two runs responsible probably for those three batters that he had been seeing a third time. So really tough stuff. But on the other side for the Wildcats, you know, they did score run early, and it's it's really hard when they were going up against one of the best, you know, pitchers, starting pitchers in the Big Ten and Alex Troop. He threw seven innings, and he after that one run in the first, he really settled in and kept the Wildcats in check and offensively ended up with just six hits in this one, leaving only three runners on base. Just not a lot of offensive opportunities. Yeah, they just weren't able to string hits together. That was the issue. Um, No one, other than Leo Kaplan, no one had more than one hit. They just weren't able to really get back-to-back hits at many points throughout the game, um, which is obviously the key to run production. So, I mean, Troop is really good, so it's not unexpected that Northwestern's bats were a little quiet. Um, And obviously giving up eight runs, the pitching and the defense were issues as well. It's not only on the offense. This was just an off day for the entire team. Yeah, and one of those hit, only one of those hits went for extra bases as well. So we mm-hmm. talked about how they have how they tend to struggle to string hits together. They also tend to they sh- to struggle to produce hits to put their other batters in good positions to make a difference. Because you can get one or two singles in an inning, and that's great. But often that's kind of how it ends. Yeah, a, a tough performance for Northwestern, uh, and especially you know they wanted to set the tone early in a series that really meant a lot. So they, they dropped this one 8-1. to one. As you said, Leo Kaplan, only person getting more than one hit. Offensively pretty quiet. Let's move on to the second game of this series. And Northwestern playing some really clean baseball in this one, defeating the Spartans 3-2, to two, low-scoring game. You know, really experienced performance from the Wildcats. And it started all with Hank Christie setting the tone, 5.1 innings pitched, only allowed one earned run. And then Sam Lawrence, who has really been the story of the bullpen all year, the freshman, throwing through three and two-thirds. And it's great when you can get out of a game with two pitchers. I agree. And this kind of is the opposite of what I was saying earlier because Christie was pitching quite well, as we've said, and then was struggling a little bit once the sixth inning got underway and Spencer Allen made the decision to take him out. Christie wasn't struggling mightily, but that first run allowed was, you know, or was charged to him, and then he made the decision to put in Sam Lawrence, and Lawrence came in and pitched brilliantly. So at this case, it was, uh, in this game, it was a case of neither of those things that I was talking about in the first game cropping up and hurting the Cats, because the starter came in wasn't, you know, what you would call a quality start statistically, but a he very threw, good start. He threw five scoreless innings. It, it was a very good start, don't get me sixth, wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, it was it's, you know, it just won't go down in the statistical quality start category, which is a shame because it was a very good outing from Hank Christie. And then Lawrence, of course, was brilliant as per usual. Yeah, he, he came in the game with the bases loaded in the sixth, something he did against Penn State twice. So clearly Spencer Allen trusts him as the fireman reliever. And he got a sack fly, which you know scored the run, charged to, to Hank, and then he got out of the inning. With this was one out with the bases loaded, so really good stuff. And then, you know, Lawrence gave up another run in the seventh, but obviously 
rebounded well and threw the eighth and the ninth scoreless and you know high leverage one run one one run game really good stuff from the freshman and also didn't walk anyone in three and two thirds innings Sam Lawrence recorded zero walks in five and a third Christie just walked two these two guys very controlled at the play don't walk a lot of uh, hitters I remember two weeks ago one of the games I called it Illinois I think it was game two which Northwestern won 11 to four the only two pitchers in the game, much like this one, were Christie and Lawrence, and they combined to give up zero walks. So we've seen sometimes tough innings for Northwestern pitchers giving up a lot of walks. That was certainly not an issue in this game, and part of the reason why Michigan State stayed at just two runs. No errors, just two walks, none in the final three innings. So really just clean game of baseball from Northwestern. And of course, capped off by some clutch hitting from one of their elder statesmen, Matt Hoffner. Walks, wild pitches, hit batters have hurt Northwestern in quite a few of their losses this year, it's safe to say. And when they clean the game up, at least for a large period of a game, I don't want to say that guarantees them a win because it certainly doesn't, but it certainly helps their case. Yeah, Matt Hoffner with the really key hit of this game. Northwestern took a 2-0 lead. As we mentioned, Michigan State got back in and tied at a 2-2. And in that eighth inning with two outs, Hoffner came up and just had a hit at the plate when they needed the most, got them that third run, and just huge stuff. He didn't get an RBI because he had a single when Alex Arrow was on second, and Arrow, you know, was waved home by Dutsy Napoleon. <laughs> I don't know if it was the best decision, but it worked out. So it, it was, I guess it was a good decision retroactively. I thought Arrow might have been out by maybe three or four feet, you know, it wasn't particularly close, but the catcher for Michigan State, Matt Byers, bobbled the ball, and Arrow was safe, and so just a gutsy way to get one out, and Arrow himself, three hits on the day, so a good team win for the Wildcats. Yeah, and sometimes it takes you a little little bit of luck, if you want to call it that. Uh, they call it puck luck in the hockey world, ball luck, I guess, is that a thing? Uh, you know, uh, the officiating was off and on all weekend. Uh, it's unfortunate to say, but that was kind of the case. So this time it was just, it was a tough play that I'm pretty sure Jake Boss Jr. was unhappy with the error call, you know, the dropped tag or whatever by the catcher. But, you know, they got some calls Michigan State did in the first half of the doubleheader. Uh, so I don't want to say things even out, but uh, I don't know. Maybe things evened out a little bit. Yeah, overall, this. An impressive game for Northwestern. I mean, also, taking into consideration, Jake Lowry, Michigan State starter, was solid. I mean, struck out 11. Northwestern's bats were not hot in this game, but it was enough to win. Like Tim was saying, when you really clean up the game, no errors, minimal wild pitches, no walks, or just two walks in this case, it's easier to win games even when your bats combined for just three runs. Yeah, technically, none of the runs that Northwestern scored ended up being earned. Mm-hmm. Lowry was pitching quite well, and then he got in some trouble of his own in the fourth inning, which ended up being kind of his undoing. But we didn't know quite what to expect. You, know, you and I were talking about this during the game, Amit. We didn't know you know, what we were going to see he out was, of this guy. He was a reliever. He had never pitched more than really four innings. Yeah, and he got through four innings. He got through three innings really well, and then the fourth inning gave him a little bit of trouble. And then he came back and pitched well in the fifth and threw part of the sixth. So honestly, I thought he did pretty well. Unfortunately for him, uh, you know, if you want to look at it this way, he w- he didn't ultimately get charged with the loss because he had a pretty good game. It would have been an unfair result for him. You know, it doesn't reflect what he was able to do for Michigan State. I agree, and 
Northwestern, you know, attacking that Michigan State bullpen, who is who's pretty talented. So it was impressive for them that they they gave up a, a two a lead, but battled back to take this one. So this one gave Northwestern their seventeenth win of the season, and it set up a rubber match on Saturday. I think I said Sunday earlier, but everything got moved up with that doubleheader on Friday. And this game for Northwestern, they were in it, and it was real close through four innings. And then that one big inning that has plagued this team really came back to bite the Wildcats in this one. A sixth run fifth. Northwestern dropped this one 13-5 in a game that they really wish they could have had back. Exactly. I was on the call for this one, and it you know, it was a close game. Michigan State took a 2-0 lead. Big credit to Northwestern for responding in the bottom of the third to make it 2-2. Um, and it looked like a very winnable game. Matt Gannon was pitching really well, and then all of a sudden you have a six-run fifth inning. Um, there was a hit-by-pitch, and then three singles. Michigan State was pretty much just textbook stringing together hits that led to runs. Um, that one big inning, the reason they won game two was because they avoided that one big inning, and in this game it ended up being the culprit. So just this game was pretty much over after the fifth when it was already 8-2. to two. My thoughts exactly, Sam. Uh, and it was tough to watch because, again, this is kind of, you know, I hate to sound like a broken record, but um, honestly, some of this kind of lends itself to that. But uh, this is kind of what I was talking about in the first game of the series. Matt Gannon was pitching well, and then you, you, he's been a very reliable pitcher, and Josh Levy has been more than reliable. He's been great out of the bullpen, almost always coming in immediately uh, in relief of Matt Gannon. But neither of them were able to do their jobs ultimately in this game. And it was just, I don't know if Gannon was left in an inning too long. I don't know his pitch count. We don't really keep track of that too much. But, uh, you know, it was certainly up there. He had three solid innings, one not great one in the third. And then when he came back out to start the fifth, Michigan State was just able to start getting it going. And then eventually Gannon was pulled in favor of Levy, and he was expected to douse the fire, using the metaphor I used earlier. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to do it because Michigan State would just keep going. They were able to keep going. He hit the first man he faced, Levy, I'm pretty sure, Mm -hmm. which drove in a run. And then, you know, that prolongs the inning, obviously. And then the middle and bottom of the order for Michigan State was what stepped up with a pair of two RBI hits and that put the game well out of reach. It was unfortunate seeing Levy. I mean, that Gannon-Levy is usually the combination we see uh, for the the Sunday games. Or, well, I guess this was a Saturday because of the rain delays. But it was unfortunate to see Levy kind of just get shelled. Michigan State had his number. Um, He's been really reliable for Northwestern this year, so it was surprising. And that's going to happen. This is the thing. You look, you know, at Northwestern, what they're doing. Outside of their Friday combination of Weatherby and Hoffman, you know, two seniors. Your your Saturday and Sunday combination is, and by combination I mean starter, and pretty much you can expect the first guy to the bullpen. It's Hank Christie, Sam Lawrence, and on Sunday it's Matt Gannon and Josh Levy. That is four freshmen you're relying on, and it's tough. And, you know, Tim, I think we've seen this a lot. Northwestern is not great when the bullpen has to come in with the bases already you know, have some have some runners on, and that's it's really tough because how proactive do you start to get? Do you do you just pull your your starter when he's throwing well? And I know Spencer doesn't want to do that. He wants to give his guys a chance to compete, and if they're throwing well, he definitely doesn't want to take them out. But what ends up happening, and I'm not saying this is a result of Spencer Allen's decision making, 
what ends up happening is usually every starter, you know, just gets to that point in the order where it gets a little dicey, and sometimes they're better at it than, than others where the pull and maybe there's one runner on. Okay, the reliever has a little bit of room to work with. Sam Lawrence has come into three bases loaded uh, situations in his last three appearances. You know, Pete Hoffman came in in a, re- in a really tough appearance on Friday. Sam Lawrence came in another... I said Sam Lawrence, and then this one, Josh Levy came into a bases loaded situation. And, you know, you said Josh Levy didn't do his job, and the matter of the fact is he didn't. But it's real hard to do your job when you're coming in bases loaded. And, you know, maybe the the answer is you know your, your, your pitchers, your starting pitchers are not great the third time through the order, and maybe you have to set a hard cap on it. Or maybe you just say, we got to pull our starter before the, the start of an inning. We just want our relievers to see a clean inning. I don't know if that's a solution, but clearly the Wildcats cannot keep allowing their bullpen starter transition to be so messy if they're trying to win games down the stretch. Exactly. And and I couldn't have said it better myself. Levy came in and, and instantly looked a little rattled, hitting his first pitcher, ended up with two wild pitches in his two and two-thirds inning. So he's a great pitcher, but and when you're thrown into a situation like yeah. that and Michigan State was also on a roll because... They had really, the bases loaded, yeah. yeah. Their, their, their bats were rolling, it just... It's a tough situation to be put in, yeah. for, especially for a freshman. Yeah, I can't really I, – I don't really know what the solution is because, I mean, I'm with you, Amit. I, I like the idea, the mentality that if your starter is pitching well and there doesn't really seem to be any, you know, legitimate reason to remove them, then don't remove them. I don't have any problem with that yeah. at all, you know. And I, I think another thing is, before you, before you go on, is they're looking at these pitch counts. It, we would be able to help our, our discussion here so much – if we knew what these guys were throwing when yeah. the decision came. But a lot of times, you know, right around 60 or 70 for a starter is when things start to get dicey. Yeah, for th- with the, in, the, in, the, in this level of experience, yeah. for sure. And we'll get into this a little bit more, but I was telling, you know, Sam, yesterday when we were at Notre Dame, I was very surprised about how long Josh Davis pitched. And, again, we'll get into this later. I, wanna, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but he ended up throwing over 100 pitches. Yeah. And he was, you know, at over 75 in the fourth. So I was surprised to see him make it through the fifth, let alone come back out and make it through the sixth, because that's often not something we're able to see from Northwestern starters, because uh, since so many of them are so young, mostly Christy and Gannon, the other two are seniors, uh, it's just not something I think that this coaching staff is comfortable with leaving them in for long periods of time. And obviously, 100 pitches is a lot. That's a lot for a major league starter as well. It's not really a fair comparison, but that's a lot of pitches to be thrown. You would love to see them limit it, I would imagine, to around 85, get through five innings or so on 85. My guess is you would be a little bit happier with that. Yeah, let's talk about this Northwestern-Notre Dame game. Uh, I thought this was a clean game from Northwestern. They lost 3-2, to two, no one big inning, although that first inning was a little tough. But you guys were there, so I'm going to let you do most of the talking. I'll mention that Josh Davis had a quality start, as Tim alluded to, six innings, three runs, and then the bullpen came in and was pretty shut down after that. Northwestern trailed 3-2 and 3-1, got one back in the eighth and just couldn't quite get it done in South Bend. Yeah, this game was not a pitching issue by any means. It was an offensive issue. I mean, Northwestern 
got two true. runs on five hits. I mean, that's that's not going to win you many ball games, especially against a team like Notre Dame that has really good pitching. Charlie Vorshek, their pitcher, was was awesome. He came in riding a hot streak, and then their relievers were really good. Peter Solomon and Sean Gunther, two MLB draft prospects. They were really, really efficient. And credit to uh, Northwestern in the eighth inning for stringing together a little run there against a pitcher like Gunther. Now, some of the controversy came in the eighth inning when Matt Hoffner grounded into a double play, and it was very unclear as to whether... We didn't talk about it much no, on the broadcast, didn't. but we didn't really see much. No, we couldn't. We yeah. had no video. We didn't know whether Hoffner was out or safe at first base after grounding into the double play. Upon video review, it seems like he may have been safe. Uh, we know Coach Allen was not very happy about the call, um, but nonetheless, it was unfortunate to ground into a double play in that situation. And also an uncharacteristic start for Josh Davis, even though he was really good, a quality start, giving up two home runs. He had only had two home runs on the season coming into that game. So just kind of a weird game all around, but a clean game by both sides. Yeah, it was a very strange game. Because Notre Dame isn't a team that hits an, you know, an unholy amount of home runs. Uh, they're a good contact hitting team and they're able to get extra bases with their speed and then move the uh, move runners around with good bunting and good base running and you know overall awareness but this is not you know your normal slugging team so and, and you know of course as i say that you look at this team and they hit two solo home runs so you know often with a smart base running team like that you'll get guys on base and then maybe you can hit a home run and do some damage but they had two solo home runs off of a guy, as you said, Sam, that doesn't allow a lot of home runs. Uh, and they all ended up not stealing any bases either uh, against a team in Northwestern that doesn't defend against the stolen base particularly well. Um, Josh Davis picked up six strikeouts. He, all, he doesn't usually strike out all that many, but he was very effective at times. And honestly, there were three at-bats that got away from him and all three of those hitters were good enough to make him pay for it. That's the two solo home runs. And then the two solo home runs and then also uh, the RBI triple in the first inning as well. So it just came down to those three moments for Davis. But again, I don't really blame him at all. I thought he played very well. There's a reason that quality start stat exists because he did enough to give Northwestern a chance to win. And then obviously we were impressed with the bullpen overall because I kept saying when I was on color commentary that I wanted to see the bullpen give me something inspiring, and they did. They allowed two hits in three full and in, sorry, in two full innings, uh, didn't allow any runs to score, and gave Northwestern the chance to come back and win the game, or to at least tie the game, make it a game, and ultimately it was the offense that fell short. I think you guys described it well. The loss dropped Northwestern to 17-26, and 26, last non-conference game of the season. In that sense, rather inconsequential because we know Northwestern is looking at trying to make the Big Ten tournament for the first time since 2010. And before we get into this Purdue series, you know, really preview what's going on, let's have another look at the standings. Northwestern, 6-9 and nine in conference, Michigan State in that eighth spot is seven and eight. But the team Northwestern is obviously eyeing is Purdue, who is nine and six and comes and is hosting the Wildcats coming into town. Let's start at you know, let's let's be real about it. Where do you see North what do you put Northwestern's odds at 
of making the Big Ten tournament. I know, Sam, last time you were on, you said you don't think this is the year. And frankly, coming into the season, we should mention, I don't think it was a thing that many people around this program were thinking about. It's happened that they've played themselves into the talk, but this is year two of the rebuild, and it's still a rebuild, you know? It's great that they're here. Also, let's be real with ourselves, we're contending for the eighth best spot in the Big Ten Conference. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But that being said, they're here, they're going for it. What are the odds that they make it? I mean, like you said, the fact that we're having this discussion shows progress. I mean, coming into the season, I probably would have said less than less than 10%. Right now, I'll go... I don't remember what I said last time. I'll go 30%. Um, like I said last time I was on the podcast, I do not think this is the year. Um, looking at the schedule going forward, Purdue is a red-hot team. They're the most improved team in the country. They've won seven games in a row. They are almost unbeatable at home. Uh, Northwestern has three games coming up in West Lafayette, which are going to be tough. Then you've got Maryland, also a very good team, followed by Rutgers, who's pretty much neck and neck, both in terms of Big Ten record and overall record with Northwestern. So that series is more of a toss-up. But taking into account that they're going on the road against a red-hot team and a really good Maryland team, I'm going to put it at 25 to 30%. Yeah, I'm not even sure I'd be that optimistic. I don't really have the odds... I haven't calculated my expected percentage or whatever, but I don't put it at very high. Uh, you know, a lot of things have to go right at this case, and there's going to be a lot of what we would call scoreboard watching because Michigan State, as, we, as we've seen, uh, is a really solid team, pretty good on offense. You know, they have a, you know, decently hard schedule coming up, but, you know, they're going to be in the driver's seat they've for their got, own. They've got Iowa, Nebraska, Michigan. So that actually is a pretty hard schedule because those are four teams, sorry, three teams in the top five of the Big Ten Conference, memory serves. So that's actually a really tough schedule for Michigan State. See if they can, you know, grasp out enough to win enough games to get themselves that seven or eight spot in the tournament. Yeah, and then Purdue, obviously hosting Northwestern this weekend, then has Michigan and Minnesota, which is two really, really tough opponents. That's where I think Northwestern has to be looking at. If they can take two out of three against Purdue, maybe they play their odds and think we can win two more games or one more game than Purdue can in their last six. Yeah, that's a good that's the great way to think about it is if you is if they're able to get two wins against Purdue, Northwestern, and then two wins against Rutgers in the final season final series, perhaps go ahead and say that the the series against Maryland is a wash and say they don't win any of the three then if Purdue is only able to get one win against both Michigan that and Minnesota, that would do it. That would probably but, do it. as you said, a lot of scoreboard watching, a lot of contingencies. Northwestern does not control its own destiny. No. It needs help. I mean, theoretically, if it won out, it'd be fine. But right. a lot of we know that Northwestern going into that Maryland series is not a great proposition for the Wildcats. Maryland, by and away, the top team in the Big Ten, and it'd be really unrealistic to expect Northwestern to win a game there. And Maryland is 18-1 and one at home. I mean, they've lost 13 games all year, only one of those at home. So the fact that Northwestern's heading to College Park, it's College Park, right? Yes. I was confused. College Park too. and State, State College. College and College um, Station. College Station. Yeah, yeah I, that's going to be a tough series. Purdue's red hot. I mean, I, I would say, t- 
but then there's also the flip side. You maybe take one game at Purdue is realistic, right. and then at home maybe sweep go for the Rutgers, sweep at Rutgers. Yeah. I mean, Rutgers is not a great team. And last year Northwestern did it. So yeah, they've got Rutgers number. Last year they you know also swept Purdue. Right. So obviously Purdue's going to be angry, but Northwestern players when they when they get that win they they re- get really confident. So I know they feel good heading to Purdue. Let's get into the series really quickly here before we wrap up the Purdue Boilermakers. Very hot, as you mentioned, Sam. They're 25 and 18. It's a pretty talented team. Their numbers aren't great statistically wise nationally. I always like looking at this, you know, hitting their batting average. 170 to the country, a little below average, but pretty average. And their ERA is 156 in the country. So that's pretty much smack in the middle. So average wise in the country. Relative to Northwestern, you know, pretty significantly outpacing them. Northwestern is going to have to play above its pay grade to beat the Boilermakers. Yeah, you don't you don't want to catch a team at the wrong time, and unfortunately, Northwestern might be catching Purdue at the wrong time. Like I mentioned, seven games in a row, they're the most improved team in the country. I mean, last year Northwestern swept Purdue, but Purdue was also a ten and forty four team. So far this year, they're twenty five and eighteen. Uh, they've gotten a lot better. This is a different Purdue team. Than Northwestern played last year, um, the Boilermakers haven't trailed in 57 consecutive innings. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean they are really There's playing some rid- their best baseball. Yeah. Some ridiculous before, stats. Before I ask you about those stats, Tim, they're coming off a sweep of St. Louis, not a Big Ten opponent, a team that probably boosted Purdue's confidence. They also, you know, beat Fort Wayne in a midweeker, 18-0. But this is where Northwestern has to be thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay, this team is really out to get us. They swept Illinois. 4-2-4-1-2-1, and Illinois is a team that took two against Northwestern. So that's that's the proof. And then there's your seven-game win streak. Tim, I know you're looking at the, the stats. Who on this roster is going to hurt Northwestern? I know one player I have my eye on is Nick D'Alessandro. Well, I remember a lot of these guys admit from the series that Northwestern played against them last year. And again, this was a team that had last year had two wins in the entire Big Ten Conference. They're up to nine already this year. So obviously another example of that great turnaround. So Purdue lost their two best middle-of-the-order hitters in Kyle Johnson and Kyle Wood. Kyle and Kyle went back-to-back, combined for 19 home runs last year. They're both gone. So, you know, you would think that that would leave, you know, some offensive holes. But Jackson McGowan is one of these guys, a couple of uh, Purdue offensive players, that have really taken big steps up this year. And from a guy that hasn't watched any Purdue baseball, seems to be, you know, what has fueled this engine, if you will accept that Boilermaker pun, uh, fueled their uh, comeback and their re-emergence this year. McGowan has seven home runs this year. You mentioned D'Alessandro. He was one of their better hitters last year, and he's even better this year. He's at 277. He's he's the catcher. Right. And I, I read somewhere before this podcast that, he was ranked coming into the season just by some some writer that the best arm in the Big Ten, too. So Defensively. Yeah, mm-hmm. very talented, very talented player. And this is a bullpen Northwestern doesn't want to mess with. They're anchored by Ross Leonard, yeah. who has an 0.29 ERA on the season. In, in 31 innings pitch, so that's nothing to scoff at. That's incredible. Yeah, he has 28 an, consecutive I... scoreless innings. I mean, this guy, if Northwestern is to get on a run in the late innings... All Purdue has to do is put in Ross yeah. Leonard, and odds are he's going to shut it down. 25 strikeouts to just six walks on the season. I mean, he's their stopper if I've ever seen one. He also hasn't given up any home runs on the year. So 
the Northwestern wants to get up and early attack these Purdue starters yeah. because if it's a close game in the seventh or eighth inning and they throw in Ross Leonard, it might be too late. Yeah, I agree. And the starters appear to me, at least at the surface level, to probably be the weak link. Not that they're really bad necessarily, but this is a team with not a great ERA. You mentioned, you know, it's about middle of the pack nationally. But, you know, they don't really have any guys who consistently start that, you know, jump off the page at me. Tanner Andrews was pretty good for them last year. Started seven games and had a 353 ERA in 66 innings, up to a 431 ERA in 11 starts in 64 innings. So, you know, surely they'll be seeing him. He's got solid numbers, but that, you know, and Gareth Stroh, I don't remember him. I believe I read that he he's a freshman or, you know, at least injured last year, whatever the case is. So, you know, a new guy in one way or another. Uh, and he's been pretty solid for them as well. Also has made 11 starts as a 4.45 ERA. So these are two solid pitchers. You know, you can't go in and expect that, you know, Northwestern, a team that is as streaky offensively as they are, you can't go in and expect that you're going to, you know, hit these guys around and get, you know, chase them after two innings or whatever it is. But that has to be your mentality. Get to these guys early, work this middle of the Purdue bullpen, which isn't fabulous, and then hope that you've built up enough of a cushion that you can you know, avoid seeing Ross Leonard and whoever else may be lurking in the later stages of the game. Purdue's also a team that defensively has struggled this season. They've got 55 errors on the season. That's fourth in the Big Ten. They're the only team in the, in the top four that's above 500 in conference play. So defense is sometimes an issue for Purdue. I mean, they've got 20 more errors on the season than Northwestern does, and I think in our minds, Northwestern tends to... They they seem that, but one fun fact about Northwestern is they're 36th in the country in fielding percentage. That is pretty remarkable. That is pretty remarkable. Their defense is good. Um, Certainly, Northwestern's offense is going to have to wake up in this one. I think we can all say that in their win against Michigan State, only scored three runs and lost two, two against Notre Dame, been a little quiet recently, so they need to find their form of April and really bring it to the Boilermakers. Let's end on this, guys. What are your predictions for this weekend? How many games do the Wildcats take against a red-hot Purdue team? I think I think it's realistic to expect one win. Uh, I don't know against which starter that will come. Uh, it might even come against, you know, with a couple of runs and maybe the sixth or seventh inning of a game and make it, you know, a four to three, a four to three win, say on Sunday, you know, in, uh, I'm making things up at this point, but uh, I expect game one to be fairly close, but mostly that's because I really like what Cooper Weatherby has done for this team. Uh, then maybe, you know, you lose on Saturday and then you can come back out on Sunday and pinch a win in the final game of the series to kind of, you know, remind Purdue that you know they aren't unbeatable, and then Northwestern is kind of nipping at the heels type of thing in the conference standings. But you know, two wins would be great. I don't think three wins is likely. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say one win in the series. Stole my words right from you. Shouldn't have let you go first. <laughs> I, I was also going to predict predict one win in this series. Purdue is very good. They're on fire. I don't know if they're good enough to sweep Northwestern, especially. Uh, in, in that first game is the one I'm eyeing as well, obviously with the, their best pitcher on the mound in Cooper Weatherby. Um, Hank Christie, also that Christie-Lawrence combination could be really solid on Saturday and give them a win. Um, but realistically, I'll go one win. I think two would be excellent, three would be incredible, um, and a sweep. I don't know if Purdue's good enough to sweep this team. So both Tim and Sam predicting one win. 
for the Wildcats. We'll find out this weekend. I will be traveling with Josh Burton, who I'm sure, if you're listening, has been on two podcasts before. I'm sure you've heard him on the air. Thanks a lot, Tim and Sam. You guys have been really doing good work around this team all year, and I'm sure we'll have some more baseball for you coming up. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Northwestern Baseball Podcast, Episode 8, and we'll be with you next week. Hello, welcome to the Northwestern Baseball Podcast Weekly Interview. I'm Amit Malik, and this week I'm joined by assistant coach Tad Skelly. How are you doing, Tad? Doing well. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, excited to have you on. Last week we had Dusty, and now we have yep. Tad. So getting some really great perspectives on the team, stuff you can't get anywhere else. Uh, let's get into it. Um, I know, you know, late April, May, this is the stretch run of the Big Ten season. You guys are coming off of a tough series against Michigan State. You took one out of three. You know, what are your overall impressions of a series that you guys battled through but ultimately maybe didn't get the result you wanted? Yeah, it was disappointing, I think, for us for sure. You know, and we're down to three weekends left, and it's every game's important. Um, the one thing I think we realize is the more games you win, every game gets more important, you know. So it's a, <clears throat> it'll be a difficult stretch for us. Um, I think we were hoping to, to come out with two last weekend, but uh, – Looking forward to the last three weekends. So, yeah, let's get into to this series. Doubleheader on Friday, game on Saturday. Pretty, you know, inclement weather the whole weekend. But start with game one. This one was pretty close through a few innings. And then kind of the the one big inning I know uh, Coach Spencer Allen has talked about got, got you guys <clears throat> here. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think Coop gave us a chance. Um, certainly early in the game. Um, you know, it was just a difference of... Had some errors, walks, hit by pitch, wild pitch, um, pass balls, things like that. I think were the big difference in, in the game. Yeah, Coop, Coop threw threw a solid outing, you know, and then the bullpen came in, Pete Hoffman, and that combination has been pretty solid all year long. It can be tough sometimes when they come in and there's guys on base too. You know, what was what was the thinking behind the bullpen in that game, and how might have how how might it have gone better? Well, I think Pete's done a really good job, you know, for us this year. He's he's come alive. He, he's an older guy, he's a senior, so you know we want to put him in, you know, pressure situations. He's shown ability to execute. So, um, you know, and, and Coop again, he gave us a chance, um, but we just felt that matchup wise, timing in the game, um, you know, that's a, that's a point in the game where where Pete has has been successful for us um, time and again this year. So. I think we felt really comfortable about making that move at that point. And offensively, you were facing Alex Troop, who is mm. one of the better pitchers in the Big Ten. You guys got a run off him early in the first inning, but after that, you know, pretty slim pickings. What's the mentality when you you face a guy that's pretty talented in, in, in game one? <clears throat> yeah, I, I think we knew, it. you know, we probably weren't going to have a ton of hits. Um, so I think we felt like it needed to be a game where we were going to battle and, you know, create some more... Uh, walks for ourselves and hit by pitches and, and things like that and just um, you know put the ball in play and try to put pressure on their defense and um, you know we, we didn't do that as well as we would have liked um, you know obviously and certainly with a double header and you know the first game I think at the minimum you want to try and get to their bullpen you know and have them use more arms in that first game so hopefully it sets you up a little bit better for for game two but um, but yeah so you know we wish we could have gotten to them a little bit earlier. Let's talk about game two of the doubleheader. A really clean game from both teams. 3-2 win 
for Northwestern. I thought one of the you know better games they've played all season against Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the pitching. It's uh, the game two combination. You've really been able to use two pitchers a lot of the time, going with freshman Hank Christie and then freshman Sam Lawrence. Yeah. What have they been doing that's just allowed them to be so successful this year? Yeah, well, I think both of them, you know, they they attack hitters. You know, they're not afraid. They're they're um, going to try and get ahead, and, and you know, they're going to let our defense work. You know, I think for, for the most part, we've done a good job with that defensively. Um, you know, not so much in game one, but certainly game two, uh, no errors. And, um, you know, Hank's done a really good job for us, especially as of late. And, um, you know, and Sam has pitched in a lot of pressure situations, and he's done a really good job for us. He's been really reliable. Um, so I think between the two of them, you know, Sam came in mid-inning there for Hank, and he did. He was in a jam and did a good job kind of limiting, you know, and giving up one run, and he got into a jam the next inning too, but but we came out of it still tied, you know, 2-2, and so we, we had a chance there, and obviously in the, in the eighth inning, um, you know, we created enough offense for ourselves, um, you know, to come out with a one-run victory. Third straight time that Sam Lawrence has entered the game with the bases loaded, you know, mentally, it's got to be really tough, and especially for a freshman. What's the yeah. process when you you're guiding him through through these things? How, what do you tell him to that he's been performing well in these yeah. really high leverage situations? Yeah, well, I think that's um, you know, Coach Reynolds. He, he's done a really good job with the with the five freshman pitchers, um, you know, helping those guys along, but also you know, throwing them right into the mix. Um, and Sam is, I mean, you, you watch Sam on the mound and he relishes those situations. You know, he wants the ball. And so I think it's pretty easy for, for Josh to be able to, to look to go to Sam in those types of situations. And then offensively, um, we can work backwards. Let's start with that eighth inning. Yeah. You know, really clutch piece of hitting from Matt Hoffner. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I'll ask you first, Sorry, probably complicated. First, what was the decision to wave Alex Arrow home? It was it was going to be a tight play, mm. and you know it was it was bang bang. But yeah. the the catcher ended up you know kind of fumbling, and yeah. Arrow got in there safely. Yeah, you know it was it's a tie game. What was the thinking? Yeah, I mean I think you know if you look at at our success, a lot of it comes from that part of our lineup. You know, with with Joe Hoshaid and, and Matt Hoffner, and um, you know I think we wanted to take a chance there. Obviously, Joe was on first, Alex on second, and, and Matt at the plate. I think um, we knew that was probably our best chance right there. We wanted to be aggressive, and, and um, you know, obviously Dusty was at third waving Alex. Alex got a good read. We knew that, um, I think it was Hughes in, in, in center. We knew he had, you know, a plus arm, but we felt like at that point we had to take a chance, and, you know, he had to field it cleanly, make a good throw, and they had to catch it cleanly and make a tag. And, and you know, ultimately, they weren't able to catch it cleanly and make a tag. So, you know, it worked in our favor. Decision worked out. Some some clutch hitting there, as you mentioned, from heart of your lineup. And then also in the first inning, I thought Jack Clays uh, had a nice piece of hitting, too, to give you guys the lead. Yeah. Um, and Coach Allen, you know, we talked about that after the game. He talked to the guys about that and said, you know, it, it was a great – great piece of hitting I think it was even bigger the pitch before 2-2 count and it was a slider and Jack's ability to lay off that you know and and not chase in that in that count I think it would have been really easy for him to do that but he set himself up put us in a 3-2 count and we were able to get the runners in motion and you know and that was that was the difference so pretty low score game you guys took a 3-2 lead in the eighth and then you know was there any thought of 
of taking Sam out, or you guys, you've leaned on him for some heavy, some heavy relieving innings. You know, he threw three and two thirds, I think. He's thrown some multiple innings before against Penn State, and also before that. You know, I need, I don't know if there was anyone else warming up in the bullpen at the time. Was was the strategy just we know he got out of two innings for us to keep the game tied, and then we're gonna roll with him? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a little bit of that. I think it's just Sam's the guy that we want in those situations. You know, I, I think his. His demeanor on the mound, I think he he wants to be there, like I said earlier. He wants to be in those situations. So I think he's a guy we're comfortable with, you know, putting out there. And if, you know, and if, if, if it doesn't work out in our favor, I think we're comfortable that it's him on the mound. You know, we'll go down with him on the mound. So All things said and done, really good win for the Wildcats game two. So then we're one and one in the series. We go to the rubber match on Saturday, you know, big one and. It was tied before this before this uh, big inning, and mm-hmm. kind of what happened here, you know. Again, the theme, you know, one big inning, and before that fifth, it was 2-2, and some good hitting from Northwestern to rally back from a 2-0 deficit, too. Yeah, um, you know, that was, a, that was a really difficult inning, you know, obviously challenging for us. I think it's something that early in the year, um, you know, that's a little bit how it was. You know, we'd have one inning that would kind of plague us, and but we found a way... Um, you know, especially once we got into Big Ten play, to be able to really limit those innings. You know, you talk about Sam, Sam Lawrence, uh, game two, and, and that's what he did when he came in in that situation. And, you know, we brought Josh Levy in. He's a guy that he's done that, you know, many times for us this year, and, and it didn't work out in our favor. Um, but, you know, Matt Gannon ha- had a pretty good start for the most part. Um, but, you know, those guys, they, you know, credit to them. I mean, they get, had some clutch hits, and, um, you know, they did a good job being Michigan State. And I think, you know, the other component there is, look, we, you know, we issued five walks, two hit by pitch, three wild pitches, and you know, they had 11 stolen bases. That's just, that's not good baseball on our end. So, um, you know, I think we have to be better, you know, in total, but certainly in those types of situations. Levy has been really good out of the bullpen this mm-hmm. season. And, you know, along with Matt Ginn, and they've, they've done a pretty good job in this third game of series, mm-hmm. um, what's the strategy behind when you make the the change? Because I know, especially for freshmen, you want to let, let keep them in the game when they're pitching well. And Matt, you know, through four pretty solid innings, how how do you make that decision? And you know, Josh came in and had a chance, but it, like you said, it just you know, maybe wasn't wasn't his inning. Right. There. Yeah. Um, yeah. Matt. Matt was throwing well. You know, and I think. Um, you know, those decisions are, are really left up to, to Coach Reynolds and Coach Allen. But, you know, I think, um, you know, Josh knows, Josh Reynolds, he knows Matt Gannon better than anyone, you know. And, and I think he just felt like he had given us a great start. And, um, you know, things were starting to f- flatten out a little bit, the fastball. And it, it was just the right time to, to go to, to Josh Levy. And, um, you know, again, we feel comfortable with, with Josh Levy in those types of situations. And, you know that that inning, that outing for Josh Levy certainly doesn't doesn't change anything for us. I mean, you're going to see the same game plan this weekend going into Purdue um, with those two guys. So, uh, offensively, Leo Kaplan did hit a home run in the eighth inning, and he's been hitting the ball really well. Yeah. You know, what's the benefit of having you know a freshman in the bottom half of your lineup just you know doing a really great job in his appearances this season? Yeah, I mean, it, it obviously helps. I think Leo's a guy that. Um, you know he's got a chance to to really impact the ball. You know every at bat, and I think that's it's nice having that 
in the bottom of the order. And, you know, I think you'll see sometimes, depending on matchups, where he might even sneak up more into the middle, you know, of the lineup like you did, um, you know, at Notre Dame. And, um, but yeah, Leo's done a great job for us, and, and he's going to be a big factor for us in these next three weeks. So, really quickly, we can run through the Notre Dame game. You know, don't want to spend too much time on non conference play at this point in the season. 3 2 loss. Again, I thought this was a really cleanly played ball game, and Notre Dame's pitching staff was pretty talented. What did you see for your team in this one? Yeah, I mean, I think we, you know, I think we rebounded from game three with Michigan State well, um, you know, and, and just going out and playing the game and competing for nine innings, um, you know, and it, they're, you know, they're a pretty talented team, Notre Dame, and, you know, they threw the, the two relievers, they threw are two of probably the best arms that we've seen all year. Um, Pete Solomon was up to 95 in that game, and, and, and that's a challenge, you know, obviously for us and for any team, um, but I think we did a good job, you know, we gave ourselves a chance to win, and that's really all you can ask for, and, um, you know, in that eighth inning, we had uh, you know, first and third, one out with a guy at the plate that we wanted, you know, in, in that situation down by a run and, um, you know, close play at first base. And, and um, you know, I, I wish it would have turned in our favor. But, um, you know, I think the guys really competed well and we played clean enough in terms of the pitching. Josh Davis, again, was, was, was very good for us. And, and that's really what he's been all year for us. Um, so we can't ask for, for too much more. You know, victory would have been nice, but... Uh, you know, clean game, and, you know, we had a chance to win, so. I think you summed it up nicely. Yeah. Uh, quality start from Josh Davis there. Been good in the midweek all season. Let's move on from that one. We'll talk about, before we dive into this Purdue series a little more, just where the standings are. You guys are 6-9 in conference. Purdue is 9-6 and six in conference. Mm -hmm. They have a really good turnaround, and I know you're looking at that eighth spot in the mm -hmm. Big Ten conference to try to make the Big Ten tournament. You guys got three series left, Purdue, Maryland, Rutgers, mm -hmm. you know, how do you feel about your team's chances coming down these last three weeks? And two series that I think you guys have a really good chance at taking two or three games and then a series against Maryland, who is clearly the best team in the Big Ten. Yeah, um, you know, I think we, we feel good because I think last year, you know, we think about this time of the year, you know, we were out of it. And I think right now we feel like, hey, the ball's in our hands. You know, we have a chance to... Um, really dictate the rest of the season for ourselves. Um, you know, obviously this weekend is, it's a big weekend for us. And I'm, you know, Purdue, they're, they're, they're playing good baseball, but I think we feel like going down there, we've got a great opportunity ahead of us. And, um, you know, in terms of the standings, you know, obviously you can't, you know, we look at the standings, right. But, you know, I think it's something that coach Allen has kind of talked about with the guys and it just, Hey, let's, let's focus on each game. You know, and let's let's look at the standings. You know, at the end of each weekend, and kind of see where where we're lining up. But let's not worry about that so much, and just focus on each game and, and competing at our best. And and you know, I think we feel like if we do that each game, you know, we're going to look up at the end of the year, and we're going to be where we want to be. And last year, you had a successful series against Purdue. Does that factor in at all to your mentality this year? Or is it just such a different approach because they're one of the most improved teams? Yeah. I don't think it really has any effect because they're a lot different too. You know, you look at um, just their personnel, obviously the coaching staff change, but even just their players, um, they've added a lot of pieces. Um, you know, some guys have gotten older and, and some guys are having better years. And um, I just, you know, they're a lot different. So I, I think it's really hard to, to try to compare them to, you know, the team that we saw up here last year. 
let's uh, look at their their lineup. You know, offensively, not really one guy that stands out, but a lot of capable hitters up and down. What are you guys looking for, maybe specifically to, to limit, and just what's your strategy pitching wise to attack their lineup? Yeah, uh, you know, I think outside of McGowan, you know, he's seven home runs. Um, he's the one guy with with the true kind of power in their lineup. I think every other guy is they're very similar. You know, they're going to be tough outs. Um, they're going to find a way to get on base, and when they're on base, I think they're going to be aggressive. You know, I think they're going to take every every chance they have to, um, you know, to get an extra base on us. Or you know, I think they're going to put the ball in play, and we're going to have to play defense. And you know, that's always a little bit of a challenge. You know, when we go a lot of schools in the Big Ten were so used to playing on turf so I think that's a great challenge for our guys going down and playing on a real field and um, you know but I think we have the right you know staff to do that the ball's going to be in play and you know we just have to make plays and and really limit um, you know the free bases. And then offensively you guys are facing three pretty solid starters you know what do you see in their starters that you're looking for? Well, I, th- I just think they're consistent. You know, I think they do a pretty good job overall. I think they're guys that, you know, they're not going to overwhelm you with, uh, you know, their ERA or, or their numbers necessarily. Um, you know, but I think that they've just been consistent enough and have made pitches when they have to, um, you know, to give themselves a chance to, to win each day. And does the strategy change at all knowing that, you know, you look at their bullpen, you know, a little mm-hmm. stronger, and especially, especially Ross Leonard, who's got some – a really low ERA. He's pitched 30 innings. We talked about him earlier on the podcast we recorded mm-hmm. last night. Okay. He's he's one of the best relievers in the Big Ten. Does yeah. that change your strategy at all, knowing that if it comes down to it, they're going to be throwing one of the best arms you can see? Well, I think you you hope that, you know, you don't put yourself in that situation, right? You know, you don't want to be a run or two down late in the game because I think you're, you're going to see probably, um, you know, Leonard and, and Parker, um, you know, and those two guys obviously have been very good for them. Um, but, you know, having said that, I, I think, you know, the two guys that we faced, um, you know, the setup guy and closer last weekend, Michigan State, I mean, you know, very similar. And, you know, that's how we won game two was, was those two guys. It was, um, a, it was a close game and it came down to them and you still were able to yeah, do it. Yeah, and, and, and for us, it's, it's just about being able to execute in those, in those situations. And, um, you know, so I don't think you look too much into it, um, you know, and, and, you know, neither of those guys are – I think our guys are very capable of, of going up against those guys and just competing. So, Great. Last question. You know, offensively, who are you looking for specifically to step up for your team and, you know, really help out in a crucial series? Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully the guy's right in the middle. But, I, you know, I, I think we, we look a little bit to Alex Arrow and Jack Dunn, you know, and those two guys. I think Alex has rebounded nicely. Last weekend had a pretty good weekend. Had another good game at Notre Dame. And then, um, you know, with Jack Dunn, I think he's he's done a lot of things with his swing to make some adjustments. And, um, you know, he probably took the best swing he's had all year at Notre Dame, you know, had a double in, in the right center gap. And just look for, for those two guys to um, just continue to be consistent. And, and hopefully, you know, if they can get on base and create a little havoc, you know, I think we have a good chance with, with Hoshite and Hoppy, um, you know, right there hitting in the middle of the lineup. So... Great. Thanks a lot, Tad. Really appreciate it. Thank you. We'll have all the games on the air this weekend.